1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: One week into the NBA season, and we already have some surprises. We already have a lot of fun competition. The lowest amount of free throw attempts per game in, I believe, five years. Some standing shifting going on. Hot takes flying everywhere. People calling for firings. People calling for MVPs. NBA season in October's back, baby. We're here. What's up, guys? Keep it at 94. Spencer Davies, along with Brian Fritz, brought to you by basketballnews.com podcast network. I apologize if I'm a little hoarse today, but I attended a wedding last week. I'm still full of energy, but I'm still getting my voice back. Plus, been like a twenty-five degree weather change here in Northeast Ohio, so got sniffles, allergies, a little bit of everything. But I'm still in good spirits, feeling good, feeling great, and I've got my partner here with me to talk hoops. So what better than that?
0: You were leading all the different songs and dances at the wedding, the conga line, all of those different things, right?
2: We actually did the Quad City DJs come on ride the train. There we and go. That was quite fun. Yeah. Um. But actually, I, I lost it when when emo songs started coming on and then, and then that's when I started screaming my lungs out.
0: I can just imagine that.
2: Imagine that too. It wasn't even a Browns game. The Browns played last Thursday. So I had plenty of voice for that. Yeah. And it was fine after that.
0: And while I know that you are an unbiased journalist, and I mean that sincerely, especially when it comes to the NBA, I'd still like to imagine a little bit in the back of your mind, the towel waving and the cheering for your Cleveland Cavaliers, right in your backyard, off to a two and two start to the season.
2: Yeah. And then they have both LA teams coming here on Wednesday night and on Friday night. Got the Clippers first and the Lakers second. But those bigs, those bigs are doing some big things. Pun intended. Jarrett Allen, not only just the defense, not only just the way that he's played on the perimeter, securing that paint and making sure he doesn't get blown by but He's shooting like over 80% from the field everything like 17 and 10 it's looking really good and that's not even talking about Evan Mobley Swiss army knife unicorn whatever you want to call him he's been everywhere that dude covers so much ground defensively instinctual offensively he's finding guys on the cuts he just looks really ready. He looks really comfortable. And that should be scary for other teams that are going to play him because you don't usually see guys his age that way. And, and guys that have his demeanor. Because as I've described in this podcast before, he's a California guy. He's very laid back. He's very, I do want to say unemotional, but he's not demonstrative. But his game does the talking for him, and I'll tell you that.
0: He's been impressive so far. And, you know, I I agree with everything you just said from the standpoint that it feels like he's a natural fit there. The moment isn't too big for him as a rookie. He just knows where to be, uh, especially on defense. The offensive game, though, is there already as well. And you can just imagine how that's going to blossom. It, it's been interesting to watch the Cavs kind of work in, you know, all their bigs because that's, that's something we all looked at going, okay, how are you going to do this when you've got Allen, you got Mobley, and you've got marketing, you know, and on top of that, they're working in Kevin Love, who's been getting over 20 minutes a game as well, and he's playing pretty well. I mean, he's not, he's not shooting the ball great yet, but you know what? He's, he's out there, and he's contributing, so the Cavs have kind of bought into this let's go big mentality, and, you know, they've gotten a couple of quality wins off of it.
2: And the thing is, too, with Kevin, I think that they realized once they brought Ricky Rubio in that they could get some solid production out of him. The, the organization's view on this is, hey, look, Kevin can still contribute. If we want to make him last, if we want to give him an opportunity to be traded, if we want to give him an opportunity to contribute to this team, whatever, whichever case it may be, it's reduce the minutes and increase the ability to produce. And that's exactly what's happening. You're just seeing him cut into the ball. You're seeing him uh, grab defensive rebounds uh you're seeing him set good screens pop out to the 3 uh using his passing ability it looks it looks solid and and he's not taking away from the development of any of the younger guys he's not taking away this like monstrous usage uh that possibly some might have have thought might have happened the bench unit's his unit now with uh with Ricky Rubio coming off and those two they've played together before in Minnesota, and it's working and and you know the the other big the only the, you know the final big that we haven't mentioned is Lowry Markinen. now he's been kind of up and down in a way um didn't really show it his his best uh the first couple of games, but I feel like in the last last two he started to find his mark a little um again, no pun intended <laughs> um i I think that they're looking for him to just be himself um, and, and that doesn't just include him being a, a spot-up shooter uh, he's able to put it on the floor he has a little athleticism to him did you see what he did to last year's MVP
0: oh absolutely I mean that dunk was just vicious I mean I think he sent him into a, a black hole and he's floating around somewhere in the galaxy right now off of that thing
2: and that set off, and that set the tone of that game. By the way, where the Cavs basically spanked the Nuggets. Yeah. Other than the Nuggets making that run in the third, the, the Cavs dominated that game up and down. And a lot of that reasoning, you know, we talked about Evan Mobley and Jared Allen their their contributions defensively. But I think that Lowry Markkinen deserves a lot of credit for the way he was deflecting, the way he was anticipating the passing lanes, and if he brings any semblance of that to this lineup. That the Cavs are trying this three big lineup, three seven footers. You don't see it often, but J.B. Bickerstaff continues to say that size and skill are going to be able to kind of throw throw teams off, and uh, if they're able to shoot and if they're able to be versatile, that big ball can work. Now I, I don't say that. I agree with that completely. It's only been four games, and the first you know game, the the, the first couple of games showed defensively that who it could be real ugly. But maybe if it's given time, I can be proven wrong, and the world can be proven wrong. We'll see.
0: One last thing about the Cavs, and I want to ask you about Kevin Love, because you know this team extremely well. It's in your backyard. You're around those guys. So what is the difference right now with, when it comes to Kevin Love from the standpoint that he said he was ready when it came to being a part of Team USA, and we know how that did not work out at all. So what, what is the difference between him between now And then is it, is it a mental thing? Is it a physical thing? What, what, what's the difference?
2: I think he knows and the organization knows that he has to play better if he wants to go elsewhere. I think it's simple as that. And, you know, you kind of just kind of put your, put your big boy pants on, go with the flow, see what happens. Um, And if, if the team buys into this team concept the way that they have, I mean, they have seven guys that are averaging double figures in points. Um, They are at the top of the league in assists per game. This is a completely different Cavs offense than I've ever seen since they've started this stuff. So I I think it's just kind of a self-realization. And also maybe he's, he's a little fresher after that. Maybe he's motivated a little bit by what Jerry Colangelo said at the, uh, at, at team USA. I mean, those words cut deep. So like, he probably is thinking it to himself is that he has to to be better. And again, the team knows that too. So, you know, we just kind of, kind of just going with it.
0: Yeah. I wasn't sure if there was like a physical thing that happened then he just didn't uh, admit to, or it sounds to me like it's probably maybe, maybe it wasn't in the best physical shape then, but it sounds like it's a mental thing. And like what you said, like, he if you want to, you want to move on to the next phase of your career you've got to prove yourself and you've got to overcome all these things in the past it's a new year it's a fresh start it's a fresh coach so go out there and prove your value
2: and it's crazy too because what i had heard and talking to this organization going into the season was that kev was going to be a spot minute guy he was going to pay 10 to 12 minutes a game um especially once they went out and required marketing and uh, you know, he wasn't gonna see much playing time. But he brought in a good attitude during training camp. He's clearly trying his his ass off um in these first four games, which we haven't seen this kind of effort other than at the beginning of the seasons in the past. And then that's usually when it spirals out of control, just because of the losses and then the injuries that pile up. But their logic behind this is that with a reduced workload, with a you know, a reduced responsibility that Kevin can produce in, in these spurts and in these bunches. And so far, I feel like they've been right. Now, you said it yourself. He's not exactly hitting the shots yet. Um, he needs to be better um, at, at, at being physical and stuff. But he is affecting the glass. He is passing the ball. He is getting to the free throw line. So we'll see if it continues. That's about that's about all we can give it uh, at this point. But uh, a rousing start for them on the offensive end. I just love the way that they're sharing the ball. They're, they're playing as one. And I, I hope it continues. And I, I think a lot of it is because of what Ricky Rubio brings to this team mentality-wise. Uh, It's it's huge. And it's going to help the young guards so much. Um, but it's also going to help the the growth and the development of the bigs as well.
0: When it comes to teams that you want to see if they can continue it. That means your Chicago Bulls 4-0 start to the season. After so many people, including myself, wondered about this team and how are they going to put everything together, you know, with all the changes in the off season. And while their schedule has been pretty weak so far, but a win is a win and they've gone out there and they've won these games.
2: They have, they have. And I in the preseason, this is when I started thinking to myself, okay, maybe I was a little too harsh on on the offense and the similarities on offense because it looks like guys are really trying to buy in. Um, Billy Donovan's been in this position before, where he's had a, a number of stars to to work with. Um, Zach Levine looking like he's on an MVP trail right now, um, the way that he is playing with the confidence he's playing with, um, the aggressiveness, but also involving his teammates the way that he was last year. Um, I love what I'm seeing out of Lonzo. I, I think Lonzo looks really comfortable in his environment. He's no longer just relegated to a 3-and-D guy. They're letting him bring the ball up the floor make plays for guys, especially in transition. We know how good and smart he is at really putting that ball, forcing it up the court. I mean, you've got DeMar who's doing his thing. I think Alex Caruso what what a pickup. I mean, super sub. I, I mean, that's the word that I use for 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 PJ Washington in my article on basketballnews.com, but uh, you talk about a super sub, a guy who's playing 28 minutes a game right now so far. And bringing bringing the energy. And that's exactly what he did for the Lakers last year.
0: There's I mean, so many different things you'll see from Caruso that don't show up in a box score because he plays so hard. And it's like he's just kind of like a the guy that like stirs the drink. He's kind of that guy just makes everything kind of flow and kind of move and he hustles and okay, we got to get back on this guy. We got to get back in transition. I got to rotate over here. I Got to make a pass here, different things like that. He is contributes in so many different ways to our, while he's a super sub. He's in their closing lineup right now. It's him and Lonzo in the backcourt for their closing lineup right now. And when they're on the court together, it's amazing to watch because those guys are so energetic and they care about defense so much on the perimeter to where they are making teams work so hard. They can switch. They'll take on bigger guys. They're, they're kind of fearless in that standpoint. They'll, they'll muscle up with somebody. They're not going to back down. Uh, they recover very quickly. They're, they're fun to watch even on that end of the court. And then both of them are kind of pass-first guys. On offense as well. And, you know, both have gotten better shooting the ball, especially Lonzo. Caruso's gotten a little bit better. He's a little bit under the radar, doesn't share with the kind of volume, but, you know, obviously Lonzo does a little bit more. And I think that Lonzo, too, is he's taken a little bit more of a leadership role here than we've seen, you know, when he came into the league with the Lakers and even with the Pelicans the last couple of years, you didn't necessarily see that as much. But here with the Bulls, he has definitely done that, he, even on a team that has established stars on it when it comes to DeRozan and Levine. He's like, I'm part of this. I'm going to step up. And, um, and we've seen it uh, so far work. You know, I mean, like I said, I know we're very early on in the season, but it's just refreshing to see that from Juanzo and see that backcourt so far.
2: And, and his perimeter defense is just so good. Just like Caruso's dude. Caruso's averaging 3.3 steals a game right now. <laughs> yes.
0: He has, he yes. has 13 this, this steals. This is why <laughs> it's funny because, you know, as, as somebody that, you know, is a Laker fan that I fully admit here, we know, but like, that's why it was so disappointing. And I get it that there's financial ramifications of them losing Caruso because he worked so well with LeBron. Like their plus minus together was incredible. And you could see that immediately coming over, you know, with Chicago, he just works with other guys and he, and he knows I'm not going to be a star. He doesn't need to be a star. He couldn't be the star, but he's a guy that kind of makes the, the engine work, you know, for everybody else. And, um, and him and Lonzo have been, have been dynamic. It, it makes you wonder a couple of things. Number one, like, you know, did the Lakers regret losing him? And the bigger question to me though, is why, did the Pelicans not value Lonzo ball. They tried to trade him all of last season. They let him go in the off season and he signed and trade for basically nothing for Thomas Sadoransky and Garrett temple Sadaransky, They're not even playing like what he, he got along with everybody on that team. You know, when it came to Lonzo, he got along great with Zion. He got on great with Ingram. Both of them, you know, stood up for him and, and sang his praises. And yet, for whatever reason, that front office said, nope, we don't want any part of Lonzo Ball. And they just let him walk. And, and you know, the Bulls, you know, took advantage of that. I wonder if some other teams wish that they had kind of tried to do a little bit more. I don't know if they would have gotten that done. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Lonzo Ball is going to be an, an all-star necessarily or anything like that. But, man. He's proven that he is a really, really good starting point guard in this league. And that backward is just, I'll say it again, it's just dynamic and fun to watch. And I think there's a lot of teams looking at that going, wow, I wish we had two guys that were like that defensively that can actually shoot a bit.
2: Yep. And it, it's the activity that I think is fun to watch. I think, I think that's the best part about it. They're getting out in transition and they're making teams pay. Right
0: um, now, when nah, it yeah. comes to the Bulls, we'll we I mean, see what
2: it's we, we will see what it's like in the half court against the Knicks on Thursday, though. We will because we'll see
0: that we can sit here and sing their praises all we want because in, you know what you go out there you earn a victory. They beat in Detroit twice. They beat the Pelicans. They beat the Raptors. Their schedule picks up a lot beginning on Thursday because their schedule goes like this: they're uh, home for the Knicks, home for the Jazz, at the Celtics, at the Sixers. Home for the Sixers, home for the Nets, home for the Mavericks at Golden State. By the way, that begins a six game road trip that includes at the Clippers, at the Lakers, at the Blazers, and at the Nuggets. Actually, a five game uh, road trip, but still. And then they play the Knicks and the Pacers after that. So that schedule picks up a lot over the next like 15 games or so. So we'll have a good sense of them, like, like with most other teams, like read the room after 20 games.
2: Yeah. You know, once yeah. Once we
0: get through a quarter of the season, then we'll really know.
2: And we haven't even mentioned to Nikola Vucevic hasn't gotten off to the greatest start, but, um, I, I think that's also, you know, with the new guys coming in and them finding their roles, you kind of probably take a step back and, and, and try and figure yourself out. His shooting percentages aren't what Vooch does. And Vooch is going to get back to being Vooch, Don't get me, wrong. you know, it, it's going to happen. So, um, when it all comes together, that, I think, is, is going to be the most fun.
0: That closing lineup, though, that they have, because they go with Lonzo, Zach Levine, they go with Vooch, they go with DeRozan, and they go with Caruso. They take uh, Pat Williams out. That's been their closing lineup. It's small, but they've got some active guys out there. I'll tell you that.
2: Yeah, no question. No question. They said the other undefeated teams here, uh, we will go with the Golden State Warriors next, uh, who just he, he kind of squeaked one out against the uh, Feisty Thunder last night. Um, the
0: Feisty Thunder. Is that what you're calling it?
2: The Feisty Thunder. You know, it, it, it depends on what, what they're feeling that night, what the rotations look like, who's playing. Um,
0: Do you hear that noise in the background? Do you hear something rolling? Do you hear that? You know what that is? is that the tank? That, that's a tank. That's the tanking thunder. <laughs> I can just hear it rolling down the street.
2: <laughs> they're still feisty though, Brian. They're still feisty. Love me some Josh Giddy. Love Josh Giddy. Giddy
0: has been great, you know, and of course we're gonna like uh hopefully you know, Shay's Shay. not stuck in purgatory. Right. I I worry about that guy. But outside of that, it's like they went out and like, let's get Derek Favors, let's get a vet. Okay, but let's not play him. <laughs> I mean <laughs> what if
2: what if what if more? What if Maury found a way to find, uh, to send Ben Simmons over to OKC?
0: Oh man, that'd be something. Well, here's the thing. Their offense is hideous. They're, they're, they're not even averaging 95 points a game.
2: Yeah, Yeah. The only
0: offense that's worse are the, uh, Cade Cunningham less Detroit Pistons.
2: Yeah. No. And they're 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 really missing Ben. But what, let's leave Ben on the back burner here. Let's leave the Sixers on the back burner. I can't believe you about,
0: even mentioned that guy.
2: Say let's 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 How would you do that? Hugh Hall must not be named on the back burner for right now.
0: Do you talk know that the be differential between the Thunder so far in the first four games is minus eighteen and a half? Oof.
1: That's all I, oof. That's my comment. They're giving
0: up 113 a game while always scoring ninety-four and a half.
2: Let's talk about the winners, Brian. Let's talk about the winners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, the dubs. Uh, obviously, Steph Curry being Steph Curry. Um, I think you, you look at this team and you kind of see that uh, it's not just Steph in the game this year. It's not just Steph in the gang. It's quote-unquote strength in numbers, as they like to talk about. Um, you know, I think that he hasn't gotten off to the same start as he did in preseason, and, you know, he's still going to keep firing away, but Jordan Poole is going to be a part of that, right? Andrew Wiggins is going to be a part of that. Draymond Green is going to be a part of that. I love what I'm seeing from Andre Guadalupe. It looks like he found the fountain of youth. He went up and got in a dunk last, last night, shooting threes, looking like himself. I, I, I love what I'm seeing out of Damian Lee. There's another guy that, that's kind of coming out of nowhere. He's been consistently in the, the Warriors rotation the last few years, um, just not many, as many minutes. He's playing almost 27 minutes a game this year, and really giving them a bump with that second unit. Um, I, I like when it comes like when to Wiggins. To
0: like Wiggins isn't even in sh- total shape yet. So he's still kind of rounding in the form. You know, Looney's playing really good defense. I like that the way they found uh, ways to use Bielitza. Because yep, that was a, a yeah guy, that was the opener, too, yeah, it was like he was in purgatory, you know, and you know didn't work out with the he wasn't you know getting played by the kings, comes to the warriors, and they're like, oh yeah, we can use a big guy that can actually roll to the basket and can finish, and you know is a pretty good passer and just does a lot of little things, you know, get him off the bench, you know, for you know fifteen twenty minutes a game,
2: yeah, yeah, it's a floor spacer, which gives yeah. guys rooms to draw room to drive, it's that simple, um. Guys who consistently move the ball, like JTA, uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson, I, I think that he's really solid. Um, Otto Porter, he, he's still got some time to get acclimated to this team, but I, I just love the, the the buy-in. I think the buy-in is really solid. Um, I think the defense looks really good. Uh, so, so keep your eye on, on the Warriors, uh, and not just saying this, because uh, Stephen A. came out and tried to call him the best team in the West already after a week. We're uh, in October. It's October 27th, so let's pump the brakes there. But I do like the Warriors. I do like what they bring to the table, and I think that they're moving the ball and much more than than just Steph Curry right
0: now. Yeah, and then, you know, so many people, I mean, had a tough time reading the Warriors, you know, going into the season. Like, is this a team that we think can really contend, or is this a team that's going to be close to 500? And it's difficult to read, you know, that team and then plus, you know, you have the clay factor of what he's going to come back and what he's going to add to the team, you know, and how instantly could he have an impact on the team? And you know what? I think they're going to be even better once clay comes back and, you know, give him about a month to get into you know basketball shape and kind of, you know, find himself on the court with uh, his teammates. But so far, I mean, There's a reason why Steve Kerr and this team were so high on this team going into the season saying, just you wait. You know, I, I, we both picked them to be fourth in the West and I feel really good about that so far. I know like, you know, it's early, but uh, this is kind of what I expected. I wasn't sure if they're going to come out the gate for no, but like everything we've seen from them so far is kind of what I expected. You know, when it comes to different contributions, the way they're able to move the ball and they're still very good defensively.
2: I feel good about it, too. I do. Only other undefeated team that we can talk about is the Jazz. They just knocked off the Nikola Jokic's list Denver Nuggets last night after he went down with a knee knock injury. It was a contusion. Was Luckily, scary. it doesn't sound too bad. Uh, it was a contact injury, which always, as, as, a, as a, uh, a fan, always makes you feel better because it's not something that happened, um, you know, without an event. Like, it actually happened because of actual physical contact. Um, Not like Anthony Davis,
0: who went down in the Laker game on uh, Tuesday night. And at first, it didn't look like he bumped into anybody as he held his knee, but then come to find out, he just knocked knees with someone.
2: Yeah, we're we're going to talk about that later because every time Anthony Davis falls down, I don't know what to th- to think or what to expect because it happens really, really often.
0: Um, I'll but that's you, beside the point. I texted <laughs> a friend. I go, "Well, there goes their season." And, and they was like, "Wait, he just knocked knees." And I was like, "Wait, he did." And then you see it. And Then yeah, every time it, it, Anthony it, Davis goes down, it it looks like there was a sniper in the arena. It
2: does. It does. Um, but with the with the Jazz, uh, I think that. They're playing a, a pretty similar brand of basketball as we're used to. Uh, nothing really new to talk about, I don't think, with this team. Uh, other than, you know, I think Hassan Whiteside coming off of the bench uh, can be, uh, you know, a solid backup for for Rudy. Um, you know, a lot of people go at Hassan for, you know, being empty stats guy, but I think that uh, defensively, he, he brings a, a little bit more uh, depth in that position. I think that Eric Paschal, when they need him, can step up and play really good defense. I think he did that last night. When Will Barton was, like, unstoppable in that third quarter, he came in, sh- uh, shut him down a little bit. thought he did a good job there. Uh, Rudy Gobert still crashing the glass like crazy, averaging 19 a game um, on the boards. So, uh, you know, they're still playing that that same brand of, of Utah basketball, moving that thing, um, you know, chucking up the threes. They're not cashing in on them great, but their defense is, is doing the job for them right now. And uh, we'll see. I think that Donovan Mitchell has another level to get to yet still. Um, and, and I think, you know, the supplementary talent around him, uh, like a bogey, uh, like Mike Conley, a veteran, who's going to always make the right play uh, and, and get him involved. And then you have the bench, obviously, with Ingles and Clarkson. It's a good team. Good team and uh, the ultimate glue guy too, Royce O'Neal. Can't can't forget anybody on this Jazz team because they really do all play a very
0: significant role. Without getting into like hot takes, because I'm not really into that. I don't think you really are either. And as early as we are in the season, with most teams playing, you know, four games, some playing three, and you know, we're still kind of getting a feel for everybody. But does it feel like to you that there is? An ultra wide gap between the teams that are good and the teams that are bad, because it feels like there are some real stinkers in the league this year. And we knew some teams are going to be bad. They're developing whatnot, you know, but it, it really feels like, you know, that there's teams that you know are going to kind of be at that level. They're going to be bad. They're going to struggle. They're going to slog their way through a season, but it feels like there could be some really, really, really bad teams this year you know <sighs> between the thunder the rockets the pistons the magic and, and i well re- there's
2: your there's your bottom four right there and, <laughs> and i re- I, mean, like, and I really wonder
0: about away. the pelicans i really wonder about the pelicans as well
2: i do too i do too they did just squeak out their first win so congrats to them um,
0: but i mean th- those teams i mean i can explain it when it comes to like the Rockets are very young. You're developing young talent. You know, whatever. We know they're going to struggle. The Thunder, they want to struggle. They they go into the season going, okay, uh, SGA, please hang in there with us. Josh Giddy, we're going to develop you. And let's try this again and hope that we actually get in the top three of the lottery this time. You know? And I, I don't know what other moves they're going to try to make. The Pistons. We still gotta see Cade Cunningham. It's a developmental year, but man, they are they're gonna be really, really bad. They're they're not a fun team to watch right now either. I w I wanna see Cade like everybody else does, but right now they're not fun. The magic are kind of all over the place. And they when are. you you know, with their with their shout roster, out to Franz
2: though. Shout out to Franz. Sure. Franz you know, is but, showing some stuff.
0: Yeah, but I mean the their roster is so wonky still, you yes. know. And then the Pelicans, it's it, it's just a mess between the Zion injury, the moves that the front office has made just kind of the makeup of the team. I think it's, you know, I don't know if the players really fit on the court, you know, when it comes to their style and just everything, and it's tough for the new coach and, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but it just feels like, like I said, like, I, I think there's going to be some teams that's like, wow, you are really bad i mean just- you
2: named you named the bottom of the barrel when you mentioned the four but w- the, the first four and we, we right. knew that was going to happen we knew okc was going to be like this we pretty much knew that detroit was going to be like this especially with the cade cunningham news before the season even started we knew that the magic were going to have a rough go of it we knew that houston albeit entertaining albeit entertaining was going to have a rough go of it so that's not too big of a surprise to me the, the biggest surprises to me so far on the bad end are, honestly, you said one, the Pelicans. Uh, but I guess that's not a surprise because I, I predicted that. I guess the, the biggest surprise to me is Portland. Portland Portland looks god-awful. Portland, they in part look god-awful because Damian Lillard has looked god-awful. Uh, but it's also October 27th, uh, as I say again. I even tweeted out. I'm like, isn't it usual for the Blazers to get off to a really bad start? And then Damian Lillard averages 35 uh, a game for a month. And then they're back in the saddle. Like, I feel like I've seen this story a thousand times, so I'm not going to bury anybody. Uh, especially, but How long the- until
0: the stories really pick up about like, is Dame really committed to this team? Does he want to leave? Was he more focused on making music in the off season than working on his game? Uh, what were the problems he saw coming out of team USA? Because he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't the guy that they went to, you know, in their, you know, lineups down the stretch. And it was more of Drew Holiday and Zach Levine. I mean, all these different takes are going to be coming out of the woodwork.
2: Well, yeah, and, but didn't he put that to bed when he talked about it to the media before the
0: season started? You know how that goes. He can say that, but if, they struggle, but if they struggle, there's still going to be a narrative from some media that would say, game wants to get out of there or they got to get him out of there because it's just not working. We'll, we'll know anymore. if it
2: comes from one outlet who, who, who's given the message. Right. Right. So like that, I don't care what anybody else would say.
0: He said it on record.
2: He would, he wasn't saying that crap on record before when they were asking about it. So like, and not to mention too. And I think that Damian Lillard knows this part of the reason that they're one and two it's because Damian Lillard is playing like crap. Like, what else can you ask for? I mean, CJ McCollum is playing his ass off. He's having he has great numbers. He's the only one that's scoring for him right now. There's nowhere else to look. Like, I I, I just don't get like. Oh, Damian should ask out. No, I'm not saying you're saying that. But, oh, Damien should ask out because the Blazers are doing bad. When you look at the reason that why the Blazers are doing bad, it's because Damien Laird's shooting 8.3% from beyond the arc right now.
0: hmm That's a <laughs> like, problem. That, that's a problem.
2: What 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 do you think's going to happen? Like, I I don't know. There's no logic to that. But I am genuinely surprised that the, the Blazers look as bad as they do. I know that they get off of, to bad starts.
0: Do you think that we just, could get... Do you think we could get four teams that don't win twenty games?
1: Four.
2: Half Typically, of them. there's two, two sometimes of them. three. Two of them. Two of them. Um, no, no, no. Ooh. If anybody eclipses, I think the teams that eclipse twenty, I will say,
1: are. No, we can get three. We can get three.
2: We can get three in there. Not four. Not four.
0: Not four. You don't think we're going to get four?
2: The one that eclipses 20, I think, is honestly going to be Detroit.
0: That's asking a lot. It is. Especially but they also have the number the one East. pick on their team.
2: Yeah.
0: It's going to be tough. And, now, and,
2: they, and they have Jeremy Grant. Let's not forget about Jeremy Grant last they do, year. They do. Let's not, let's not forget about them picking up Kelly Olenek. They still have Sadiq Bay. You know, I Julian Hayes doesn't look great out of the gate. I understand. I th- I think they can get to 20 wins. I know the East is a lot tougher, but the West is a lot harder. So I don't think that the Rockets or the Thunder are going to get there.
0: Do you think the Thunder can challenge the all-time worst record of 9-73? and 73? Ooh, no. No. I do. I do. No. Oh, yeah. They could, they're, they're, I think they're going to be close.
1: No Damn Bobcats. They got a borderline all-star on their team. The Bobcats did not have that.
0: I'm telling you, man.
1: Come on.
0: That team's got uh, 11 wins written on them at most.
1: Hmm. No. No.
2: I'm not going there. No. When
0: the all-star break happens, do they just tell SGA, take an extra two weeks off, and we'll yes, pay for the vacation. Happen. We'll put you in whatever exotic island you want to go to and relax and chill for like two, three weeks because we know what we're putting you through. We want to make sure that you're at least mentally fresh and we want to take care of you in this way. So uh,
2: I wonder how SGA feels about that or if SGA thinks, oh, hey, I'm going to just get traded for draft picks. Like,
0: I, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question because is, I mean, this is
2: where you always have to be careful in the tanking method.
0: You it is, always especially have with to be somebody careful. that. He hasn't even hit his prime yet. I mean, he's close, but you, you sit here and feel like, are we just squandering these great years as he's coming into himself and really starting to shine and is going to hit his peak? Is this a waste from a franchise standpoint and the player looking at his career as well, going, what the hell is going on here? Like, I'm part of a franchise that is nowhere close. I'm sure that that we're going to hear that,
2: and and not to mention too, they did just draft the player at his position. Right. That's another. That's another thing.
0: But I mean, if you decide to move him, okay. Well, two things. Uh, I mean, it would be a boon for somebody else. Okay, but you would have to think from the Thunder standpoint because they know that they're not even close right now. This would probably pull them even further away. Because what are they going to get for him? they're going to get an all-star? They're going to get you know a really good player? You
1: have to the trade for someone on a
0: bad contract? But I mean you're probably going to get a bevy of picks. But I mean okay, so it's just more picks. What are you going to Chase do with these signed picks? His
2: extension last year, right? Right.
0: But it's just like what are you what are you going to do with more picks? I'm like they they just basically like bought first round picks. I'm like, you're spending money on this. I'm like, at what point do you sit there and Ooh, say, "Oh,
2: yeah, that's a five year, $173 million. Yeah.
0: And you got it. you got a max deal. Ooh. Yeah, that's tough. I, I mean, mean, I mean, you can move him very easily. You can move him easily. Okay. But you've got, I mean, and the thing is they don't have to take all that money back. Is that under the cap?
1: Okay.
0: But I mean, okay. So you get more picks. Whatever. Like at some point you got to turn these picks in the players.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you do,
0: but and I mean, you got to get
2: lottery luck too. And then that's, yeah, that's, absolutely. The, that's, the, that's the difficult game. It, I know it's just, looking at here in Cleveland. They had the eighth pick and then the fifth pick and then the fifth pick. It took them four years before they got the third pick. And now they have a potential all-star uh, slash uh starter build around.
0: And even you know, if like you have a top three a doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a talented person. You could right. You could misfire right. on the pick.
2: Could miss misfire on the pick. It could be a bad class. You don't know. By the way, this class game. so
0: far in the early sample size of got, and we haven't even seen Cade yet has looked spectacular.
1: Loving it. Loving it. It is. It's very fun to play. Yeah. I
2: was actually debating that the other day. Uh, someone, I, I said, Jalen Green has that quote unquote Russ motor when I watch him. And someone replied to me Mobley better because they were in Cleveland. And I was like, I tweet about one rookie out of my market and this.
0: It's like you <laughs> to saying, like, I so- love
2: this. I love this class. It's
0: a good, it's a fun class. Right. It's not even a judge of who's better right now. It's just like talking about one player.
2: You can't do it. It's impossible.
0: He put up 30 the other night. He did. He put up 30. He's 19 years old.
2: How about my boy, Quist- Qu-
0: Quist. <laughs> Chris Duarte?
2: I saw him oh, in the preseason, and it. I was like, "The Pacers are using him the right way. They might need to think about, you know, uh, because he's already so old. But God forbid, he's 24 years old, so he's ancient. Um, like thinking about what to do with TJ Warren or maybe Karius LeVert. And I'm not saying to base that on four years or you know four games, but I'm just thinking from a long term aspect. Of Chris Duarte is going to be this kind of scorer, this kind of player." then I think that you could get some real value for one of those guys like TJ Warren or Karis Levert or even him. Absolutely. Um, So there's that. I love Scotty Barnes just being another, you know, really, again, instinctual player. Uh, I mentioned Franz, Jalen Green. You just talked about Uh, Davion Mitchell when he was going toe to toe with Donovan Mitchell last week, uh, last Friday. I was enjoying every second of that just seeing him him play with that defensive intensity. Uh, This guy wasn't even picked, but how about Austin Reeves?
0: Austin Reeves is in the Lakers rotation. Now, some of that is because of injury, but some of it is because he doesn't let the moment get to him too much. He just kind of fits out there. He's not playing too many minutes. But, I mean, when the Lakers were in crunch time on Tuesday night in San Antonio, they put Reeves back in the game.
2: And Lord, forgive me, because I'm looking – I'm looking at a list of rookies, so I'm not like ranking these guys as I'm talking about them. I'm just spitting right, them just out as the I names. see them. Josh Giddy, I just talked about. I think that he's a real fun player. Alperin Shangun, I, I really enjoyed watching that kid play. And we'll see how much the minute differential changes between him and Christian Wood as the season goes along, I'm sure. Um, how about Herb Jones? He's been a starter for the Pelicans this year already, and he was a second-round pick. Uh, Trey Murphy, same thing for the Pels. Um, You know, you've seen guys having to step up and and play minutes um, the way that that uh, you think they wouldn't. Um, And and I was laughing because I actually saw somebody the other day say, like, some of these rookies that aren't seeing time, like James Boognight, for example, watching the Thunder put out three rookies, watching the Rockets play all their young talent and wondering how those guys that aren't getting playing time from the first round are feeling about that. So like there's a lot of fun in this class. I I'm I'm enjoying uh watching them so far. I think they have a lot to um bring to the table, a lot to prove. So definitely, you know, keep your eye out for the class of 2021. They're 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 putting in all their work.
0: Can I uh can I give a me a culpa on something? Yeah. I feel horrible about this and I did it the minute after we finished recording our podcast last week, when he did our season predictions, I knew better to do this. And yet I did it. And I don't know why. I don't know what drove me. I don't know why I was thinking this way, but the regret has been sitting with me for a week, even though they won their first game. I picked the Sacramento Kings to get into the playing tournament in the West. I'm dumb. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there. What a dumb pick! But, was, but
2: hey, it's, a, it's look, a dumb, dumb pick. On the bright side, they looked really fun against the Jazz. They've put, they've been playing hard. They have been playing the, the will hard. the will to actually give a damn has been there this year.
0: It has, and Harrison Barnes' MVP candidacy is strong right now. It's unbelievable. I love I couldn't,
2: it. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. What is he?
0: 10 years in the league. And this dude is like playing the best basketball of his career because he's averaging 28 points in over 10 rebounds a game. He's shooting nine three pointers a game and hitting them at a 55% clip. He
2: knows his role. He's doing what he's doing. But
0: I, uh, yeah, I don't know why I picked the Kings. Maybe I'll be right. Maybe I'll still be right. I don't know. Maybe it'll be. I mean, hey, there's always a couple of teams that we're surprised by, like, you know, that they're actually in playoff contention or teams that are not. You know, you mentioned the Blazers. We'll see if they get their act together Dame starts playing better.
2: I want to shout out the Wolves as a team that oh. you talked about, um, you know, who, you know, you were kind of in between them. That's the team and I the didn't Kings. pick
0: making it. And I should have used, or the Wizards. The that Wizards were, because the Wizards, I, the whole argument that I made was like, I gotta see it first. Why didn't I use that same argument when it came to the Sacramento Kings?
2: What because the hell? you've been indoctrinated by yours truly over over the, the course of the, the, what the hell, uh, life man? of this podcast. I so listen to
0: my own set of rules on this stuff. Pay
2: attention. Yes. To yes, exactly. Exactly. But, but those I mean, the- wolves, man. Those wolves, uh, they're they're fun. I here I know that they just dropped one of the pelicans, but I love the leadership that Anthony Edwards showed. Anthony By Edwards saying,
0: is amazing so far this year.
2: Well, what I love about Anthony is he's such a streaky guy, but he's trying to step up as a vocal leader this year. He just said, we thought we could just come in here and, and be loose and, and roll over the Pelicans. Essentially. I'm paraphrasing he said, but we need to lock the F in after that loss. And I was like, I don't remember the last time a wolf said that all due respect to Carl Anthony Towns. He's just not very vocal in that way, but Anthony kind of brought a little bit of nasty to that press conference and brought a little net. He brought a hell of a lot of nasty in that third quarter. When he tried to get them back in the game, 21 points, he looked outstanding in that quarter. So fun to watch,
0: but Carl Anthony Towns has been playing out of his mind so far to start the year.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, he had a little bit of a rough go with with uh, Jonas Valanciunas. He had a 22-23 rebound um, performance that night. He, he really mm. made it tough on Cat. But, um, no, Cat's looked really solid. Um, Edwards just just looks like he's really, he's got that Mamba mentality. He's got that Mamba mentality. He's just so aggressive. A won't-be-denied type of guy. Shooting 22 field goal attempts a game so far in three games. He's not take, bashful whatsoever.
0: Take that shot, whatsoever. man. Take that shot. I mean, yeah. we we saw in the second half of last season, we saw the development, and you could really see the tools going, man, this guy's a player. I mean, and it, I know that you argued that he should have been rookie of the year even. And uh, you see what he's brought to the table early on. Like, he, he has gotten better. You can already see him start to take that leap from year one to year two.
2: Get this too, Brian. And I know, you know, it's early, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure, like, how hard their schedule's been or whatever now. Uh, it, it, when I look at basketball reference, it says they had the worst schedule to to date yet. So um, maybe this is, you know, fool's
0: gold. The T-Wolves but, have beaten the Rockets, they beaten the Pelicans, and they lost to the Pelicans.
2: Yes. So it, it's it been a very, very easy schedule so far. Yeah. Um, But maybe this is fool's gold, but defensively, they look really sharp. Um, there's not anyone on this team according to basketball reference uh that plays minutes actually plays minutes with a defensive rating um, above 102 which that's gonna that's gonna win you ball games going will definitely win you ball games We'll see if it shows up see if it shows up um, they've probably got uh, a harder stretch coming up here at Milwaukee against Denver uh, to to come up here next um they have the magic Sand sandwich in between two, and then two against the Clippers, and then they're at Memphis, at at Warriors, at Lakers, at Clippers, and then the Suns. So we're really going to see them uh, just just similarly to the Bulls to see uh, if if what they're showing is real. But yeah, um, I I just uh, I, I appreciate the attitude, and I think that uh, again Chris Finch has done a solid job with them uh, to buy in to that defensive end.
0: Let me throw out a couple of other things here observation wise and throw it off of you when it comes to the early games. I mentioned Harrison Barnes and the hot start he's gotten off to same with cat. John Morant is terrorizing everybody so far
2: rising for that
0: size. And to be that fearless to drive into the lane with reckless abandon, but also finish. And he finishes at such weird angles He'll get to the free-throw line, if nothing else. But my my goodness, and now his range as well is starting to catch up with what he can do when it comes to finishing around the rim.
2: That's what I wanted to say, Brian. You're talking about him attacking with reckless abandon. I'm talking about him pulling up and taking threes at this point um, at at a a phenomenal rate thus far uh, and still keeping that same aggressive drive. And then when guys close out on him now, he's going to have no no other way Um, he's going to have any way he wants to get to the basket, um, especially if they're hard closing on him when he's shooting threes at this point. So like that, add that in there. And then the extra aggressiveness and field goal attempts uh, taking on more of responsibility, taking that mantle offensively uh, you're looking at a very scary player on the offensive end.
0: He's incredible so far. And like, You know, people talk about like taking that next step forward. And, you know, part of it for him is just being healthy and having his teammates healthy as well. (laughs) So he has other guys that can take a little bit of the burden. But like to start off the season, man, he has just been on fire. It's been crazy. And and
2: not to mention too, sorry, not to interrupt, um, but he has had a excellent backcourt partner in DeAnthony Melton. And uh, our Evan Sidery wrote about that connection on basketballnews.com. Make sure you check that out because Melton has made a jump of his own as well, averaging over 18 points a game um, and and really spreading the floor nicely and making a solid um, one-two punch with him uh, in that backcourt. And I think that that is a uh, huge thing, too, for for Morant to be able to, to take off like that because they have to worry about somebody else throwing up points on them.
0: I'll be honest about this. I had not heard about this until uh, this morning as we're taping here on a Wednesday. So I I need some more info about this from you because I'm sure you know a lot more about it. Can you explain the leadership council with the Dallas Mavericks to me and everybody else?
2: Can I take a sip of water, please? Because that, that one requires a little bit. It requires a little bit of, of, um, of an inflection point here so excuse me you mean when you can listen you can listen to me drinking water on
1: on the microphone the hell is a leadership council are we
2: already at this point to where the inmates are running the asylum
0: we are our leadership council voted and decided that all 12 members of the roster should get playing time tonight
2: Sorry, all 15, all 15, 15. How, how, how do you play 15 players in one game? It worked. Don't get me wrong. It worked. They did play the Rockets. Our leadership
0: council voted like, how about the damn head coach vote? Okay. Be a head coach. Uh,
2: Here's the thing about the head coach. Uh, The offense has set back to a decade ago, maybe two decades ago. Uh,
0: They're they're playing
2: two bigs. They're not giving Reggie Bullock minutes. He finally got some minutes off the bench yesterday, and look what a floor spacer does.
0: I mean, Ooh. we went out and got a shooter, but why play him? I mean, in today's NBA, do we really have a spot for shooting in the NBA in the 21st century? You know
2: what? I take it back. Shout out to the leadership council. Shout out to them because they got Reggie Bullock out onto the floor.
1: They, it, I just don't get it, man. They're running... Such a prehistoric, ugly, half-court,
2: slow it down. That's not what this team should
0: did do. You, did kid not learn anything with the few years he was the lead assistant with the Lakers? And I understand the Lakers are not exactly running the most upscale, advanced offense known to man. This is not the Golden State Warriors or anything like that. But at the same time, they're not they, they're not doing this. They haven't been doing this. They, I, I don't know what's going on there. Now, on top of everything else, Porzingis is dinged up already. He's got a bad back. Like The leadership council.
2: I mean, again, shout out to them. I, I, I completely whiffed on the, the inmates running the asylum because maybe the inmates should be in charge of the asylum instead of. Instead of the, the caretaker. I don't know, man. I don't know that. Oh, I hope Jason Kidd doesn't ruin what Luka Doncic brings to the table. I, I hope he doesn't. I really don't. Uh, because Luka, Luka has to be better, too. Luka, Luka in this half-court role, um, isn't doing the things that we're used to seeing him do. Uh, he's still taking the pullbacks and the, the step-back threes and whatnot. Um, but he's just not as active, um,
1: I feel. He's a little bit settling, not getting to the paint. I do more, especially if this is the way that they're going to run this offense. Now, Jalen Brunson looks solid out of the gate. Give him that. I think that's good. Tim Hardaway Jr. hitting his threes. Good for him. But
2: schematically, I just hope that he's not set in his old ways. That's all. That's all I'm saying.
0: For Jason one, Kidd won't but. fully admit it right now, but he let it slip a while back. But do you know the three members of the leadership council?
2: Oh, it, it came out?
0: It did, because apparently he had mentioned it on a podcast a while back, but he won't say it now. But we know who the three members of the council are. Name them. Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr.
2: The leadership council, everybody. So it's not Dirk Nowitzki and Steve Nash. And
0: it is Kidd. not. Um, I love this from Kid. All 15 guys played. If we could have played the two-way players, we would have played them too. This came to me this morning through the council that we have. Those players that I talked to thought that this was great. So I was with it. So when the leadership council meets with Jason Kidd, um, do they have nicknames? Are there robes that they wear? Is it masks? Um, uh, is there, uh, any like, uh, special meeting place that they have? Um, do they go somewhere and like get a nice sweat? Um, I need more details about, uh, the backstory of the leadership council.
1: I have a headache.
0: Uh, yeah. I, I mean, if I'm on that team, I'm sitting going. I mean, if those guys think it's cool and if it worked for them, good for them. i have never heard of anything great coming out of a leadership council.
2: If, if, if they know what's better for the team than the head coach already, and it's not even November yet, that organization's in trouble.
0: How many questions do we have going into the season when it came to the Mavericks? And, all and I don't think since, that's a hot take. Yeah. Opinion. I mean, the, I, I thought the biggest questions about the Mavericks going into the season was, what is Jason Kidd going to bring to the table? It's his third coaching stint. The first two didn't work out that great. But there was a lot of people that said, it's a different Jason Kidd. Now that he's been with the Lakers for a few seasons, he's been a you know, lead assistant there, and the way that he interacts with players, the way that he's worked alongside that coaching staff with Frank Vogel, it's different. And you know he deserves another opportunity. This is the opportunity he got,
2: and it's just weird. It's you know, one you can't squander when you have Luka Doncic. Exactly. That, 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 that's period on paragraph.
0: Fair or not. And I'm going to sit there like, I I don't know how these players feel about the, the leadership council and how this all goes, but I do wonder this feels like a situation that if it goes weird, if they struggle early on and it really feels like, what are we doing on offense? What are we doing with some of the other things that we put together on this team that if things really go off the tracks early,
2: then Igor takes over, baby, and boom, there he is with Luca again. Exactly. All together. It's,
0: it's an early exit for Jason Kidd because, you know, because if things are not working out and if it gets really weird early on, this is a team that will have players speaking out about it, namely one in particular. And if he says things are strange and this isn't working out, then his voice will be heard over all else.
2: Igor, baby, back on the sidelines.
0: Where I'm he not, belongs. I'm not calling for anybody to be fired. I want to see how this works, but it's strange already. There's weird stuff going on. And <laughs> oh they they better win. They better figure it out on the court. At least you can be as weird as you want off the court if you're winning on the you know court.
2: They have a solid, they actually have a solid assistant coach bench though. They have Equor, Koskov. They, they have Jared Dudley. They have Christy Tolliver, Daryl Armstrong. That's a solid solid bench
0: it is but you know it all flows from the top Mm -hmm. it all flows from the top
2: can we talk about the hornets we talk about the hornets since please
1: do man because my
2: first interview of the year yeah how about it i was back at my shoot around just like old times first one since damn probably march 2019 honestly where a road shoot around was happening, where the team that came in to face the Cavaliers were having a practice on a game day at rocket mortgage Fieldhouse, And I got to sit down and talk to PJ Washington in person. It was awesome. It was great. Caught up with a few friends within the organization that I have. Talk to them a little bit about what they're trying to do with PJ this year. He's being a super sub five. He's, he's coming off the bench uh, and playing. Uh, that center role. And uh, he, he gave me a lot of great stuff. If you look at basketballnews.com, that's an exclusive feature you can go read. But uh, in the gr- general grand scheme of things, Hornets are fun. They're playing free and easy, they're playing loose. And that starts at the top with LaMelo Ball, who just as PJ Washington described to me is a ball of joy. He's somebody that comes in every day joking. Plays with that kind of free and easy, loose mentality, and you know, traditionalists might not like it. They might like super serious and and always taking their craft seriously, but I think it works with this team, and you can just kind of see it go down, uh, in a domino effect of sorts to this entire roster, and and they're just playing, uh, with with a free and loose mindset, and uh, they've been ex- extremely resilient. They've come back from multiple. Uh, double digit deficits. They're by and large a second half team if you look at the uh, net ratings, as I highlighted in the article. But uh, they're fun. They're fun and they have a fun announcing team to go along with them. So it just makes the experiment, uh, experiment, experiment, experience uh, a whole lot more enjoyable.
0: They are playing free and loose. They are fun to watch, like you said. And I feel like we didn't give them enough credit going into the season, but you want to talk about a guy that's made that jump from year one to year two so far is Lomelo and just everything that he brings to the table with that joy and that style of play. And I mean, I know some traditionalists might not like it to some extent, like you said, but this is what the NBA is in, you know, now and as someone that enjoys the game, there's particular players I really like watching. One of them is Steph Curry, like so many other people. I really think that Lamelo was like right there when it comes to the most fun players to watch in the league alongside Steph.
2: That's a that's pretty bold. Please expand.
0: <laughs> but I mean, you you watch the way this guy plays; it's just it's fun. And that's what you want to see on the guys. I mean, they're both loose. They both have the green light. They both do so many different things on the court, you know, that are uh, fun to watch the, the exciting plays, just kind of the draw dropping things that they can do the way they make the teammates better. Uh, It's just incredible to watch and like, and to think about Lamelo too, this only being his second year, you know, to already see kind of this progression in his game. I mean, If you were somebody else in the NBA, you would just drop everything and love to play with somebody like LaMelo Ball. That's like a dream come true to be with somebody that good, that's that sharing of the ball, can do so many different things, and um, just somebody that's fun to play with. No question. And And they haven't, that's what you want.
2: And they haven't even had Terry Rozier most of the season. Um, You're looking at the leap that. Miles Bridges is taking. He was the Eastern
0: Conference player of the week. He's smoking people out there. He's smoking people.
2: He is. And he looks just, he he looks bigger. He looks faster, stronger. You look at the, you know, they, they, they bring in Kelly Oubre Jr. Who isn't afraid to take any shot that comes to him. Uh, And he looks like he fits right in perfectly too. In that transition offense. I think that, One of the most underrated uh, acquisitions you can do is bring in a veteran backup. And boy, what a winner ish Smith has turned into over the last couple of years. You saw it in Washington last year. He showed up huge in the play-in playoff game. Um, And and then you look at what he's done with this Charlotte team. Um, Just being the the facilitator and a guy that gets everybody involved. That's perfect. That's a perfect mentor uh, for these younger guys but you have your mix too, Gordon Hayward's still somebody when he gets to that middle area, forget about it. Forget about it. He's just going to make those mid Rangers constantly. Like this is a, this is a team with a, with a ton of weapons. They have, I believe the defensive personnel, what, what PJ watched to talk to me about was them being a better defensive team.
0: That's where they got to be better because right now they've been playing. They they've been in exciting games because they're not able to, to lock teams down consistently
2: and that 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 happens mostly in the first half by the way first half they just don't for some reason i want to say they're not ready to play but they're just uh, too lackadaisical uh, coming out of the gate but when you look at their second half numbers one the net rating goes up but also that defensive rating is beautiful and and those are noisy numbers right now i get it it's
0: four games in they're putting up 121 points a game though
2: Yep, they're, they're,
0: they're giving fast. up a lot, but yeah, they are fast and just, I mean, can you imagine just trying to keep up with somebody like Lamello on the court because of the pace that he wants to go at all the time? I mean, yeah, that, and that's that,
2: going to that, lead that, to a lot of turnovers too, by the way. So if you see high turnover numbers, it's because he's going to be taking those kinds of risks.
0: I just can't imagine the amount of sprints that you have to do in practice just to train for the games because <laughs> that's what they're doing in these games It's just sprinting up and down the court constantly
2: constantly they are they're getting they're getting up and down good but no they're they're a very fun team um and again please go check out that interview with PJ Washington on basketballnews.com sure you'll enjoy it if you're an nba fan and and I'm just glad to be back in arenas and talking to people in person it's awesome
0: yeah yeah i mean the one thing that the hornets probably will need to get maybe is a little bit bigger you know um but other than that, I mean... They're like not just,
2: going with that they're going with PJ at the 5. Right, the they're bench. going
0: with PJ at the 5. I wonder if that, that's the one thing I, I do wonder. Do they still need another big? But I mean, PJ at the 5 causes so many different problems for so many teams.
2: And they start Mason Plumlee, too. Don't forget that. Yeah. <clears throat> so that that's like their, their, their tall sky. Yeah. But and Nick what, Richards did come off the bench and, and play well mm-hmm. um, in the overtime loss to the Celtics. By the way, uh, what a job by, by Jalen Brown to, to close that thing down along with with Jason Tatum, of course, but yeah, Um that was a fun game on Monday. All right. Did we talk about enough teams or you have anybody else you want to talk about?
0: I think that's about where we need to be right now. Uh By the way, for anybody that's going to be listening to this before the uh, slate of games on Wednesday night, no oh, wait, We didn't again. talk about
2: your Lakers. We should close it out and talk about your Lakers a sure. little bit.
0: Well, Le- LeBron's dinged up already and you know, it could have been a lot worse. It looked, it looked almost Eerily similar to the injury that uh, happened to him last year um, when, he got, uh, when he fell a couple games ago. He didn't play on uh, Tuesday night in their... Um, thrilling overtime, win. Thrilling win. Overtime what a fun game. Against the Spurs. It was and a then, fun game, dude. I it enjoyed really was. every minute of that. That was, was a wild and, and, and game. I, st-
2: I still think that the, the Lakers are going to be seeing Jakob Purtle in their nightmares, uh, even though that they, they won the game. Uh, he was getting every offensive rebound in sight.
0: Well, in the first uh, half, Purcell <laughs> couldn't do anything. Like he was, he thought he was getting fouled. He was getting bumped. He couldn't do anything, and then he came out in the second half. It's like, watch this, um, and th- that game was just a wild, frenetic pace from the opening tip.
2: I loved what was- I saw from Devin Vassell too, dude. Oh my god, yeah. I, have, I haven't seen him play because um, I, I, I mean, I watched Spurs games and and I even talked to Derek White about the team last year, but uh, to 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 see them because the Lakers were on. Um, I I really enjoyed the pace that they play with, and they've been—they've been. I know that the record doesn't look great, but but they've actually been pretty competitive uh, out of the gate here. Yeah, and and, and I like I like their young talent. We'll see where it goes. I know that the off season was a little weird, as we've talked about here on this podcast. But uh, they—they're fun and up tempo.
0: Yeah, and you know, like I said, LeBron got dinged up, and uh, they're going to be careful with him as they should be. So he did not play in that game. He will not play in Wednesday night's game against the Thunder. You know, Anthony Davis went down three times at Spurs game. And every time you thought he's missing at least a month.
2: Why does he fall so much? I mean, I I do not want to question anything. I know that he's just, he's just, he is, he is brittle. Let's be honest. He's brittle. And I don't want to make light of any situation, but why does he fall so much?
0: It's not just that he falls so much. It's that he's slow to get up. And every time you think, oh my God. He's really, really hurt bad. And then he gets up and he like, you know, he fell hard. Literally after
2: the, literally after what he did in the, in the fourth, when he went down with that injury. Yeah. And he was down for like a good five to seven minutes.
0: I thought the, the season next was play over for him.
2: The next play, he went up and got a lob. Yes. Yes. I feel like that happens pretty
0: often. With well, the- well, that one, I didn't even see the contact and then come to find out he knocked knees. So that's why he was so sore, but like, he didn't check out the game. And like, I literally thought like, all right. So he tore a ligament and he's gone for X amount of time earlier in the game. He fell really hard on his shoulder. Like he got blocked at the rim and he went down hard and you're like, oh, because he's had shoulder problems before. And you're like, there it is, man. Like there's a month. And then he gets up and he kind of does the, uh, you know, rotates the shoulder around a couple of times and looks at the bench. He's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to stay in. And then like the next play, he takes it right to the rim and dunks. And you're like, okay. You know? And then there was another time where he was doing a uh, post move and he rolled his ankle a little bit and he went down and you're like, Oh my God, man. Every, everything you, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but every time he goes down and holds something, it's very dramatic. And because he has been dinged up in the past, you really wonder like okay how severe is this? And it's like a wrestler
2: that, selling. You don't know whether it is. he's actually hurt or what. It
0: is. And I and I've had and I have to like, you know, I think anybody that's a Laker fan, anybody that's an NBA fan, anything like this, when you see AD go down, it's kind of like let's wait a couple of minutes. And then we can really judge how bad it was cuz you can't really tell. Now, it I think he's going to play against OKC but the the team has him as questionable but it's probably going to be one of those things. Like, how do you feel when you come out and you warm up kind of a thing or how bad I wouldn't play play. him
2: against the thunder on a back to back.
0: I I would throw him out. I, I, I would see how he feels and if he feels okay, I would play him like 20 minutes. I'm, I'm not going to play him 35, 40 minutes after that game, but I'm going to play him a little bit, I think. But I mean, we, we got to see the Russ experiment I mean, because we've seen Russ with LeBron, and we've seen Russ without LeBron. And Russ is uh, the same guy that you would expect uh, when he goes to the rim. He's a beast. God, he, I love
2: that that play when he just blew by his his defender and threw it down with the right hand. Oh. That, in, in overtime. Did, oh, oh, my God. walk the baby,
0: Dr. J style. Yeah. And then, um, but when he comes to shooting, it's like every time it's like a gasp. You're like, oh. You You'll know it. when a
2: Russ jumper is going in. If it if, if he just rises like vertically, chances are it's going to be short. But if he steps into that thing, like if if he's coming, I don't want to say full speed, but if he's coming with like a little bit of a, um, I don't know what to call it, like a little hop step. Yeah. Then usually it goes in. I, I feel like after watching so many Russ games that you can tell when the jumper's on or if it at least has a chance.
0: Right. Uh, he, you'll he know actually, when it's
2: going to be flat. And it was also flat too, uh, when he tried to take that one last night because they were gassed, man. They they were going up and down and up and down.
0: Like, yeah, they were. And it's it, it's just weird kind of watching the mentality of him playing with and without LeBron. And I think part of that is too that with the Lakers, you know, with their injuries right now and they like to play big, they're packing that lane. I mean, they're gonna do that for Russ anyway. But then on top of that. If you've got like um Andre Jordan on the court or if you got um sometimes with Anthony Davis just the different lineups that the Lakers have it's just like we'll pack court like if they got Rondo out there, you know um they're, they're they're gonna pack the lane, and they're just like, shoot, man, what do we care? you know we're not gonna we're not gonna worry about that by the way, I am convinced, and you could try to persuade me otherwise, watching Russ especially when You know, he's the guy that knows he's going to be more ball dominant in the game. I'm convinced he does not know that the shot clock is 24 seconds. And he thinks it's 10, maybe 14. That dude has such a quick trigger. Like, I'm not saying you got to take it down to like the final second or two every possession. But holy cow, just like, all right, time to take a shot. We've been down here for five seconds. Let's go. You know, it's just like, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <You know? laughs> the, the, there's no ball movement on the Lakers or very little. I, I would challenge this Laker team for somebody to actually cut to the rim without the ball. I want to see it at least once in a game because I don't think I've seen it yet. Be, when Russ got traded there, what was one of the things I, I said, though, I think you thought was a little bit weird. And believe it or not, I think I was actually correct about this was that for the Lakers to really have a a really good offense with Russ and uh, LeBron on the court together, Russ would have to be the guy setting screens for LeBron. He's actually done that. In their last game together, he actually did it seven times, which ties it for the most ball screens he's ever set in a single game in his entire career. The problem, though, is what does Russ do after he sets the screen? He stands there like a statue. And it's the same thing we've seen from Russ time and time again, is that when he does not have the ball, what's he doing? Because he's just kind of standing in one spot. He's not cutting to the rim. He's not moving. He's not curling. There's there's none of that. He just picks a spot, you know, and he stands there, sometimes with his hands on his knees, sometimes not, and just kind of waiting for the play to occur without him. Well, there and you go. That's a problem.
2: Well, yeah. Got to have to learn. Got to have to sacrifice for the team.
0: Uh, it help, it is. But I want to I see somebody on that team cut. I, I would really like to see somebody like get the ball on one side of the court and somebody from the weak side actually cut through the lane. Bet I bet you Austin Reeves would be
2: good for that. I bet that be you. I bet amazing. you. Amazing. Malik Monk will be good with that. Even though Malik Monk is good with the ball in his hands. He made the biggest shot of the night.
0: Malik Monk pulling up. Plus 31.
2: 30. He was a plus 31 in 39 minutes. And, and I'm not a plus-minus guy, but that he was pulled big up time. From
0: Thirty feet and drilled a three on the road to give the Lakers the lead in that game. Cold-blooded, it was, it was nuts. Everybody was like, "Oh!" The only person that was happy he had the green light there was Ron Artest. <laughs> Ron Artest was one of the greatest, no, 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 great shot moments in NBA Finals history. So.
2: outstanding see look i got to talk about the the team in my backyard you got to talk about the team that you follow the most i think we talked about about half in the league we'll probably get to the other half next week or whatever stands out to us um well i'm sure we'll talk about the defending champs in in great detail and the knicks who are off to a really solid start sure we'll get into all of that but for now i think we're gonna have to sign off Once again, this is Keep It at 94 with BasketballNews.com Podcast Network. Got other great podcasts to talk about that are not limited to our newest one, by the way. Nothing but bets. Evan Sidery, daily podcast for all of your top wagers around the association. Make sure you pay attention to that. The Rex Chapman Show with Rex Chapman and Josh Hopkins. Got the rematch with Etan Thomas. The Dunker Spot. With Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., the Alex Kennedy podcast, the follow through with Clips and Drew, NBA Top Shot Weekly with Alex Kennedy. Of course, your boys right here at Keeping It 94. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Spin Davies. He's at Brian Fritz. Follow me on Instagram at Spin Davies. Follow him on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Of course, like, rate, comment, subscribe, review. Do all that good stuff for our whole network and for us, so we can continue to deliver you the best content all around basketball. And don't forget to visit basketballnews.com. Like I said, got my interview with PJ Washington on there. Nikias Duncan has Roman the baseline up his weekly column on Wednesdays. Mo Hamilton, a newest thing on Kemba Walker and what his first good night for the Knicks at Madison Square Garden could do. James Harden, free throw issues. I'm sure we'll get into that too next week. And of course, uh, Matt Babcock, Derek Murray, and the draft team. Talking about college basketball season coming up and the uh, top freshmen that will be a part of the class next year. So check that out. Give us some love. And signing off going into next week, hopefully when I have a better voice, this is Spencer Davies for Brian Fritz. Talk to you soon.